Of the nine border patrol sectors along the U.S. side of the border, the Tucson sector, which encompasses the Sonoran Desert, consistently reports much higher numbers of re recovered bodies than any, any other sector. In recent years, the Tucson sector has also led in the numbers of illegal border crossers apprehended. Over 120,000 apprehensions were made in 2010 along this section of the border. A number of forces come together in the Sonoran Desert. First, since September 11th, increases in border security have been largely justified in the name of the war on terror. The U.S.-Mexico border has emerged as a central focal point of the Department of Homeland Security's display of strength, a display that Wendy Brown argues stems from a waning of state sovereignty in the face of two key non-state forces, religiously motivated terrorism and flows of capital. Second, migrants from South America, Central America, and Mexico continue to stream north, pushed most often by poverty and the loss of traditional subsistence lands, pulled by the allure of the wealthy United States and dreams of economic opportunity. In the past, such extra-legal migration often took place in urban areas, where one could dodge the border patrol, slip in through holes in fences, and disappear into an urban neighborhood rather easily, comparatively easily. Now, as a consequence of increased securitization in urban areas, migrants are funneled through rural lands like the Sonoran Desert, where the harsh climate presents very real dangers of dehydration and heat exposure. Lastly, North Me Northern Mexico's drug war has increasingly merged drug smuggling and migration. Individuals involved in drug cartels set up shop in such migration staging grounds as Altar Sonora, which is right about here, uh, offering promises of money to migrants who agree to carry a backpack full of contraband across the border with them. So these three forces, the war on terror, northward flows of extra-legal migrants, and northern Mexico's drug war all coalesce in the Sonoran Desert. Situated in the midst of all this are the lands of the Tejano Autumn Nation. In recent years, Tejano Autumn lands have emerged at the center of what is today one of the most high-traffic corridors for extra-legal flows across the border. Accordingly, border security has increased, creating a host of problems for the sovereignty of the Tejano Autumn Nation itself and for the cross-border movement of its members. Prior to increased securitization in the 1980s and 1990s, members of the Tejano Autumn Nation experienced relatively unregulated cross-border movement. Such access was crucial to the maintenance of cross-border family ties, the performance of ceremonial religious pilgrimage to Magdalena Sonora, which is here, and access to jobs on the reservation for Mexican tribal members, as well as access to health services on the reservation in the U.S., which is health services are here in cells, and Mexican tribal members are able to access that stuff in cells as part of the, that was part of the Tijuana Nation. Um, of particular concern, however, is the cross-border movement of tribal elders, many of whom were born in their homes and never issued formal birth certificates. Thus, they are unable to prove their citizenship in either nation. A number of stories circulate about problems facing the Tohon Autumn's cross-border movement, stories which highlight the ratio-ethnic marginalization of this indigenous group by U.S. border security practices, aligned with Gilmore's understanding that racialized marginalization produces increased possibilities for premature death, Mbembe's notion of a social death at the heart of such processes, and Foucault's conception of a political death constituted through the marginalization of particular populations from the body politic. Access to health care has been a problem of increasing concern for Tohono O'odham tribal members. All members of the nation, including those with Mexican citizenship, are entitled to receive services on the reservation in the U.S. However, a number of incidences have been reported in which tribal members seeking access to health services in cells have been detained by Border Patrol, both at the border itself and within the reservation. Such detentions can include simple questioning of the driver and or occupants of the vehicle, time-consuming searches of the vehicle, or even more lengthy detention and questioning. Such practices expose tribal members in need of health care to very real risks to their bodily well-being. 
Secure Education in Urban Centers has been largely successful in blocking extra-legal cross-border flows and presenting a visible, authoritative, and highly theatricalized display of power to the millions of people who pass through urban checkpoints each year. It has not, however, stopped or even slowed extra-legal cross-border flows. It has just moved them to more rural, less visible places along the border. As the flows have moved, border security has followed. Taken together, both Michel Foucault and Achille Mbembe speak to the role of modern nation-states in perpetuating individuating technologies, which render invisible the lived experiences of subjects, while simultaneously marginalizing others who do not fit squarely into hegemonic conceptions of the state and its population. The U.S.-Mexico border constitutes a securitized milieu, to use Foucault's terminology, a space of state surveillance and regulation, legitimized by the possibility of threat to the nation-state. Bodies flow and circulate throughout this, throughout this milieu, controlled in mass, a population comprised of resident borderlanders as well as travelers just passing through. Despite the claims of the U.S. Agency of Customs and Border Protection that the Border Patrol's mission is, quote, preventing terrorists and terrorist weapons from entering the United States, border security comprises a, secure, a securitized space of constant disciplinary surveillance for all bodies in the vicinity of the boundary line. Security operates on populations, which are themselves multiple and ever-shifting. Despite the inherently plural character of a given population, disciplinary phenomena like border security operate as a gridding mechanism through which the gaze of the state is able to neatly individuate and assess bodies on the boundary line. For indigenous groups like the Tohono O'odham, whose identities and historical connections to the landscape exist outside the nation-state framework, the overarching surveillance of the state serves to further marginalize tribal members and trivialize the significance of unfettered cross-border movement to the maintenance of tribal identities. While individuation is a critical piece in the disciplinary effects of security on the border, the state's goal is not to view subjects as individuals in themselves. Rather, through the apparatus of border security, all who fall under the gaze of the state are stripped of their individualized identities, motivations, histories, and unique modes of life, so that they may simply be bifurcated into either legal or illegal and regulated accordingly. The ultimate expression of sovereignty, writes Vakili Mbembe, resides to a large degree in the power and the capacity to dictate who may live and who must die. Mbembe's necropolitics expands Foucault's conception of the biopolitical to show how, beyond the state's management of the bodily life of the population, sovereignty is constituted through a politics of death where the state's ability to kill or neglect members of its population solidifies its authority. Mbembe's focus is post-colonial sub-Saharan Africa. However, I extend his thought to consider the way U.S. post-colonial treatment of indigenous peoples operates upon along necropolitical lines. Mbembe, citing Foucault, notes the way that the biopolitical and necropolitical are defined, quote, in relation to a biological field which the nation-state takes control of and vests itself in. Control over the biological requires an ordering and partitioning of the population, often along racial lines. Such control is implicit in the mundane normativity of daily life on the U.S.-Mexico border. The multiplicity and inconstancy of actions carried out by the post-colonial state is, in Mbembe's view, implicit in the necropolitics of state power itself, where the other is a mortal threat, is a, quote, mortal threat or absolute danger whose biophysical elimination would strengthen one's potential to life and security, end quote. The border security apparatus as a guarantor of the security of the American public occurs to the bodily detriment and exclusion of the other. While the starkness between life and death may not at first seem applicable to the Tohono O'odham, I argue that the notion of necropolitics is in fact a very useful tool in thinking through the situation in the Sonoran Desert borderlands. The effects of border security for members of the Tohono O'odham Nation take on undeniably life or death proportions. A number of cases have been reported in which tribal members in need of medical attention 
and located in remote areas have been stopped and questioned at length by the Border Patrol on the way to the hospital, resulting in dire medical consequences. In addition, many Mexican tribal members with health problems have been prevented from crossing the border to access me medical treatment on the reservation in the U.S., contributing to the very real possibility of premature death that Gilmore talks about. Beyond these cases in which access to health care constitutes a sovereign decision over the lives and deaths of tribal members, I extend Mbembe's notion of the ne necropolitical to include a death of traditional ways of life, a social death, that aligns itself well with Foucault's conception of the political death. In many cases, the villages of family members are separated by less than 10 miles with the international boundary line between them. As a consequence of increased security enforcement, tribal members must travel up to two hours to the nearest checkpoint in order to cross legally, and then drive the same distance along the other side of the border to maintain connections with family members and other tribal affiliations. Such phenomena make cross-border connections difficult to maintain, creating challenges for the expression of social life. The sovereign nation state holds the capacity to restrict the mobility of tribal members in the context of access to health care, the maintenance of familial connections, and in the exercise of the U.S. constitutional freedom of religious practice and expression. These aspects of everyday life are, for the Tuhanalatum, crucial to traditional ways of life. Border security serves as a calculating instrument which effectively limits tribal members' ability to live life outside the white Euro-American Euro heteronormative framework privileged by the securitized border. In addition to increased vulnerability faced by tribal members without easy access to health care, these attacks on traditional ways of life reflect the nation-state's need to preserve itself and its privileged citizenry in the face of the Tohono Autumn, as racialized others with familial networks and ceremonial practices, requiring them to cross the boundary line. As Mbembe poignantly notes, quote, the calculus of life passes through the death of the other, unquote. The security of the mythical monolithic American people rests on the, continual, the continued marginalization of the other, the realization of which results in both premature death as well as social death on the U.S.-Mexico border. 